Well, good morning, church family. What a joy and privilege it is to serve you this morning for our 10.30 service. Welcome to Canterbury Gardens Community Church. My name is Shabir, one of the pastors here. If you're visiting for the very first time, happy Father's Day to you, uh, particularly for those of you who are celebrating Father's Day for the very first time. I'm so glad um, that you can do that. I hope in some way it's been a blessing, even though we're in lockdown. Uh, but we also know Father's Day can be a challenge for some of us, uh, either because we've lost our dads or perhaps you're estranged from your dad. Perhaps you wish you had a dad. Whoever you are, we pray that you will know our great God, who is our Heavenly Father. And he will draw himself to you uh, on this day in particular. This morning, I want us to pause for a moment from our Hebrew series, particularly being on Father's Day, and flick back to an Old Testament passage from the Psalms. You've just heard it read to you. We're going to read it again, Psalm 13. So if you have a Bible, if you could turn there, that would be really awesome. So Psalm 13, uh, here is God's word. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord. My God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Uh, This morning, what I want us to consider is three things that come out of this passage. You probably already picked it up. One is how long? So questioning our great God, considering, and then finally trusting. Would you join with me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, I pray and ask this morning as we come before your word in worship, as we continue this time of worship, draw our hearts to you. Oh God, would you transform hearts through your word? Whoever we are in whatever season we are in, may we walk away knowing you more. And Lord Jesus, I pray this for your glory and for your name's sake alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, In a recent New York Times article, uh, it was titled, There's a Name for the Blah You're Feeling, It's Called Languishing, by a guy called Adam Grant, said this, Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. There might be the dominant emotion of 2021. I don't know if you've seen that article. It's an interesting, I call it a cultural sermon, trying to speak into how many are feeling. Perhaps you're feeling that even today. His conclusion is this. By acknowledging that so many of us are languishing, we can start giving voice to a quiet despair and lighting a path out of the void. Now, I don't know anything about this guy, Adam. I don't know if he's a follower of Jesus, but I do wonder and I consider that ultimately what he's saying is it's dependent on you, that you're invited to come out of your void in your own strength. And the psalm that's before us, it actually invites us to something far better, far greater in God's word. Particularly in this season of languishing for various reasons, invites us to something much better. Firstly, this psalm we just read uh, invites both David and those who are most likely would have sung this to come and do what? 
to question God. I don't know if you saw the refrain. The refrain is this, how long, O Lord? And then, how long, O Lord? Have you forgotten me? How long are you hiding your face from me? And then he asked the question, I mean, God, how long? Because right now I'm going to seek counsel with myself. And all it reveals is the sense of danger and anxiety and worry. All David feels is every day this heavy sorrow, a sadness. David feels and sees as though the enemy is winning over and over again. I hope you are sensing that sense of um, despair that is in the question that David keeps asking of how long. From what we can see, in this psalm at least, it's not as though David has sinned and now he's repenting. He knows that something is wrong, but at the moment it feels as though all he's experiencing is God's displeasure of him. And he asks how long? He's asking God, what about the covenant that you made with me, with your people? Have you forgotten that I'm your child? How long, O oh Lord, would you have this lack of interest towards me? That's the language going on here. And my particular situation, my thoughts, my enemies, they want to attack me. See, the Bible calls this lament. This is a psalm of lament. Lament is um, more and more in my own walk is becoming a, a beautiful language, a, a beautiful way of God's gift given to us Christians, a way for us to cry out to God, perhaps even question God, but in a Christian way. Mark Borogop, who wrote the book Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, puts it this way. To cry is human, but to lament is Christian. In our day and time, I don't know if you've had these kind of conversations. I've had these conversations. I've thought it myself where this phrase comes out at some point. It is what it is. What can you do? Have you ever thought that? Perhaps you hear the very questions that David asks and it stirs something in you and in me. Perhaps you want to ask those same questions of God. How long, O Lord? Are you in a sense feeling that or thinking that? Perhaps you might be even scared to consider or even to ask or even question God. Friends, have a look at the passage in front of you. If you are his, he invites you into a conversation and into a lament. David is not being disrespectful out of his expression of despair to God. He's showing what it means to be in relationship with God. I mean, what is it for you and I that feels as though God has forgotten you, that God has hidden his face from you? That as you think in your own mind and heart, you counsel yourself, but all that stirs up is despair and a sense of hopelessness. And you feel as though the very enemies, whatever that might be, are being exalted over you. How many times have we thought, oh man, I can't believe this culture and what it's doing and look like they're winning and, and somehow God's not involved. Friends, in this season at Canterbury, I know many of you are having those kinds of thoughts because of the very circumstances we're in, or perhaps even the very circumstances of this unending lockdown, it feels like. If you know the Lord, the Bible invites you to something better. That is not to ignore what you're experiencing and feeling, or let alone stay in languish the world, or just to sort of suck it up and be positive. 
No, God's word invites you to something better. It says to come to him, to express your despair, to express your question of how long and turn it into a lament. And you will see as the psalm unpacks further, you go from how long this question, how long, O Lord, now to consider. Have a look with me in verses 3 to 4. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Just before David is questioning, now he's moving towards petitioning. And in this particular petition, you have three things that are highlighted. That is to consider or to look, then to ask God to answer, and then asking God to light up his eyes. David has been experiencing a sense of God's abandonment. So he's crying out in despair, please, God, don't look away. Look to me. So in the Old Testament context, when, when it talks about language of or petitioning God to look, it's showing God's favor towards that person. That's what David's calling out for. In his very time of despair, he's saying, God, please don't look away. Actually, look to me. And when you look to me, I know you're with me. It's also a language of renewing life. That's why he's crying out to God to look to him. David also asks the Lord to answer him. Because he knows that if the Lord answers, that means God is with him. And when the Lord answers, then will he only fully, truly experience freedom from the things that are causing or bringing his soul and life lots of anguish. And David also knows that language of true light, not like the light that's shining my face right now. It's talking about the light that comes from God's favor towards him. This is a covenantal language or, or biblical language of covenant. We're talking about relational kind of uh, language. God's blessing of protection and peace and favor. Uh, as one author put it to kind of describe this section of the passage, says, their eyes sparkle with God's grace. That's what that light is speaking of. On the other hand, the experience of anguish is expressed by the dimness of the eyes. It is a petition that is filled with contrast, isn't it? There's a sense of urgent appeal for God's gracious hand based on the relationship David has with him and the relationship God has with his people. Using biblical terms, like I just said earlier, this is what we call covenantal language. This is God's covenantal favor. And David is saying, verse 4, God, the enemies are gloating. Actually, they're not just gloating. They, they look like they've prevailed. They prevailed over David, but much more than that, they prevailed over the God that he worships. So David's petitioning and saying, God, please don't let me slip. I feel like I'm slipping. The foes, actually, they want me to slip. They, they would love for me to slip. That my faith in you, my trust in you would become wavering and shaken. Not because of the circumstances. It's a way of saying that the enemies are laughing and hoping because that shows when David's wavering and shaking, he's doubting God's gracious faithfulness. And so it's like saying he's losing confidence in God. And so that's why they're laughing and they're rejoicing in that. And so David is petitioning and asking God, please consider, look, look, you need to act now to protect your honor, God. You must act now. I mean, this is the kind of prayer that's bold and powerful and you see it throughout the Bible. The question for you and I is, when have we prayed like this? And there was someone who was part of our church family who had gone home to be with Jesus. And whenever I talked to her, 
about various things. And, and she would always say, please, God, please, God, do something. So this is what the language of lament does. It pushes us to cry out. Then it moves us to talk to God in humble boldness with the truth. That there is a true enemy. It's not actually God. For those of us who belong to him, it is sin, Satan, and evil in this world. A desire for us to not put our trust in God and to be shaken. So friends, the question then is to ask you and even me, what is shaking us today? I mean, the very trying times you might be in for various reasons, the very trying times in our culture and home and workplace, the world we live in, are those things overwhelming us and shaking us? Perhaps there are relationships broken down. Maybe the very stage of life you're in, maybe the health challenges that you're having, and we could keep going on. There's this sense of things shaking us. I mean, David had you know enemies at the gates, but there are also internal enemies and external enemies and enemies that he wrestled with emotionally. And perhaps those are the kind of enemies that you're wrestling that say, ha, see, where is your God now? Look, let's see how real your faith is as you go through this really challenging time. Look how afraid you are. Let's see if your faith is real or is it going to be shaky in this season. Friends, do you ever sense that or feel that? Friends, this is why this psalm is so beautiful, invites us. It's such a refreshing way to remind us we can come to God with these kind of prayers. And you know what? God will graciously listen and God will act. It's a wonderful moment for us to consider as well what is ultimately our hope in. And those moments when we feel as though in death itself or the enemies are the very shaky ground in, or perhaps you're feeling that sense of languishing. The invitation is to either we look through those lens, that lens that feels as though the enemies, whatever it might be, big or small, internal or external, are so big that it sounds or feels like they're triumphing over God and his purposes and his plans. What do we do if it feels that? Do we believe that or do we believe in what is true? That God is still in control. Do we consider the one who considers us, who is willing for us to be considered, the one we can pray to, cry out to, that we can petition, we can cry out and say, how long, O Lord? That we can say, please, God, consider, and then... We're called to do something in verses 5 to 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. From questioning to petitioning, now David moves to what is actually true. David now moves from where he has already been and now he's it's like this sort of circle it's come into full completion in his lament and you see that often in lament psalms and other places there's this completion david's trust is ultimately in god's steadfast love it's a very significant word in the bible this is being reminded of who god is shown through his relationship with his people that you can actually trust him because of who he is because of what he's done in the past 
This is connected with a powerful truth that God's unfailing love, despite of how David is feeling or even experiencing what he's clinging on to, or he's clinging on to trust, is what he knows is actually true. This is what lament does. It is the language given by God to say, God is indeed worthy to be trusted. I mean, in the low valleys that you might be experiencing, or the very high mountain tops, or everything in between, it's much more actually than what the world says. Oh, just be positive. It's much more than that. This is resting in who God is, and in particular, who God is towards those who are His, His people, His children. David has those feelings and he says what they are. Those thoughts and experiences, he says what they are. So he's not just saying, oh, now let's just turn around and be positive. Rather, he's saying, but I, and that's the language. It's really strong. It's a very active word towards the truth who God is. But I will turn to that truth. I will cling on to that truth. And because of who David is, David's confidence is to rejoice in what is true. What his heart needs most is rejoicing in God's plan of redemption. David knows this. He's experienced this despite of the suffering and trial that he's in. Guess what? God is still at work. His plan of salvation is always at work. Once again, Mark Warrikob on his commentary on this passage says it this way. Choosing to trust through lament requires that we rejoice without knowing how all the dots connect. We decide to let God be his own interpreter, trusting that somehow his gracious plan is being worked out, even if we can't see it. This trust leads to a response from David. Remember, right? This is a song. And so David's response is to sing to the Lord because he is trusting in what is true. It is a faithful moment of worship. Note here, it's not as much as about um, David is responding now because he's been delivered. No, rather, this is a faith-filled anticipation that God will deliver him because of who God is, because of the one who keeps his word, because of God will rescue those who are his, and he will deal bountifully. I mean, that's what the ESV says. Perhaps a better way to read it is that he will vindicate David. This moves David to sing despite of what is going on. This is the moment what lament does in the hearts. That is to tune our hearts so it can sing out loud about trust in the God who is always true and faithful to his children. Now, please understand, this is not a name it and claim it moment. You know, you do this and say that and somehow this is what happens. No, neither is it. You should just stop feeling it. No, neither is it. Just be positive. No, this psalm invites us, friends. This psalm beautifully invites you and me to bring our very cries, our very disappointments, our very concerns, our very fears, our overwhelmingness in this season or any season we might be in and turn them into laments that stir our hearts to focus on who true, who is true, who is right, based on God and what he says in his word. And it's an opportunity for us to trust in who God is. And dear friends, this lament and this prayer is even more deeply rich and even more beautiful in that in this side of the cross and the empty tomb out of David's line would come the great Messiah, the great King Jesus Christ. 
the one who has truly experienced the Father hiding his face from him on that cross because of your sin and my sin. The one who was called the man of sorrows. The one who many enemies mocked and rebuked, yet he was silent. The one who experienced both silence and death because of our sin. Yet because of what Jesus has done, as the one who is risen and Lord, he is the full expression of God's steadfast love. We can rejoice still in the darkest of moments in our lives. Remember what is true. Salvation has come in Jesus Christ. And so we can sing to our Lord because indeed he has truly dealt with our greatest enemy of sin and death. For those of us who are in Christ, we have been vindicated. Amen. Amen. So, friends, in this season, wherever you are in that process of laments, as we've been learning in Hebrews, come to your great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who totally knows what it feels like to live in this world, the one who intimately understands suffering and trial and pain and joy. And so the invitation is for you and I to ask our great Saviour, how long? but not to languish, but to move towards him and to know that God has answered fully in Christ and that is revealed even more in his word. That's why we encourage you to get into his word. It's not just a Christian thing. As we have these truths wash over our hearts and soul, it moves our hearts towards our great God and the truth that he reveals. Consider in knowing God is to... Consider the very plight that God understands that you're in. So he invites us to consider. He invites us to call out to him and say, God, please consider. And he has considered in Christ, has he not? Then we're called to trust. To trust based on who he is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That God has called us to trust in him, revealed beautifully in his son and his word. So this week, as you head into this week, some suggestions for you and for me, for those of us who are parents, as we disciple our kids, we should teach our kids to lament. Perhaps read Psalm 13 or another Psalm of lament and, and sit with them and pray with them for the various things they may see and hear. When we pray together, do we speak based on what is true, what is based on his word? I know there are some traditions that I found really helpful in my own walk is that to read the Psalms, to actually use the Psalms as a way of praying scripture. Perhaps you could actually just write or to create a whole list of who God is and his promises, maybe based on the Psalms or songs or write them down. And then don't just keep it to yourself. Who can you share that with in our church community or someone you know who will be encouraged by God's word? When you and I talk to friends who don't know Jesus and they say something like, it is what it is, what can you do? Perhaps you and I can use that moment to pray with them, but then also to point them to the God who has dealt bountifully and beautifully 
towards you and towards me in the midst of our pain. Friends, this is the God that we serve who invites us to ask, to consider, to cry out to him. And this is the God who has dealt with us so beautifully and richly and bountifully, who has vindicated us in Christ his Son. So the invitation is to come to him. Would you do that today? Would you join with me in prayer? Father God, we come before you. Please help us to keep trusting in the one who keeps us. You keep us, Lord. In light of this, may we come with our laments in whatever season we're in. May we lament with hope. And we thank you because of Christ we can. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. God bless you.